Hey everyone, this is Father Matt. I just want to give you a heads up, uh, explain what you're about to listen to. Um, I actually ended up writing uh, two different homilies for Holy Thursday. So uh, I wrote one last night, uh, recorded it, published it, and then by the time between sometime last evening and tonight when I actually said and live streamed Holy Thursday Mass, I was inspired to go in a very different direction with the Holy Thursday homily. So uh, what you're about to hear is uh, the recording of the second homily, the homily that I gave at the live streamed mass. Um, and and in this podcast is also the first Holy Thursday homily that I ended up not giving. So um, enjoy. When I was 11 years old, I had something of a lawn mowing business. Business is actually a real stretch. I mowed my neighbor's yard who was an elderly widow, and she would pay me $20 each time I mowed her lawn, which as an 11-year-old was an incredible amount of money. So every time I got paid, I would take this $20 bill, put it in a shoebox, which I securely located under my bed. And then if I needed it, if I was going to go to a movie with some buddies or a baseball game or something, uh, I had some money to spend. Now, as the summer went on, uh, the money uh, began to grow. It it got well above $100, which again, I thought I was rich had no idea what money was, obviously. And my parents made the wise, wise decision that it was time for me to open a bank account. But I was having none of it. If the money went into a bank account, I knew it would be totally inaccessible to me. It was just fine under my bed. Well, eventually my parents prevailed and I put my money in the bank account. And they were doing this to teach me the benefits of having money in a bank account rather than a shoebox, right? Because it's not safe to store cash in a shoebox under your bed. Right. We, we it's not responsible. Now, you might be thinking, all right, what on earth does this story have to do with Holy Thursday, the night when Jesus gives us the sacraments of the Eucharist and the priesthood? And bear with me. Uh, it, it, there is a point, I promise. You know, I was reminded of this incident from decades ago with the shoebox and the cash recently when I reflected on the words of St. Paul from his second letter to the Corinthians when he wrote, we hold this treasure in earthen vessels that the surpassing power may be of God and not from us. And we need to know two things to understand this verse. First, what is the priceless treasure? Treasure, And second, what are these earthen vessels? So let's start with this priceless treasure. What is St. Paul talking about? Well, there are a few school of thoughts, but, but most scholars agree he's talking about his ministry, or more specifically, the priesthood. St. Paul was a Catholic priest and indeed a Catholic bishop. Uh, the priesthood and all that comes from it is a priceless treasure. It's a priceless treasure, most notably the Eucharist, which on this night Christ gave both the priesthood and the Eucharist to the church. The Eucharist, the sacrament of Christ's body and blood, is the greatest miracle, which by God's power takes place in Mass. When ordinary bread and wine is transformed into the very body and blood of Jesus Christ, really, truly, and substantially, while retaining the appearances of bread and wine. And without the priest, there is no Eucharist. The priest, his hands are consecrated to distribute the body of Christ in the Eucharist, to forgive sins in the sacrament of reconciliation, to confer, confer new life in baptism, and when our time on this earth is at the end, to bring the soul home to God by the anointing of the sick, the last rites. The priest is called to be a mediator between God and man, an altar Christus, another Christ. So the question is, to whom is this profound responsibility entrusted? To angels? To archangels? 
No, to men. And this is where we can talk about earthen vessels. When St. Paul is speaking of him of uh, earthen vessels, he's speaking of himself, Paul of Tarsus, a fallen man. He's speaking of his brother bishops, the apostles and priests who are themselves earthen vessels, fallen men. What is an earthen vessel? It's a fragile earthen well, uh, earthenware, excuse me, earthenware uh, container, a pot, a, a, a cup, a jug. Uh, it's fragile. It's easily breakable, right? No one would put a priceless treasure in an earthen vessel. Might as well be storing a bunch of cash in a shoebox under your bed. See, that's that's the point. That's the connection. So, so who would put who would choose to put a treasure in earthen vessels? Well, apparently God. Now I need to be clear. I'm not saying go put your life savings in earthen vessels or a shoebox under the bed. God's ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts, and he has chosen to use earthen vessels. He's chosen to use fragile, easily broken instruments. God calls those who are like an imperfect earthen jar to be his priests. Priests are fallen men, sinners in need of a savior, who are themselves broken and redeemed, and that is how God wants it. For he chooses the weak and broken of the world to show that the surpassing power of God is at work rather than men. For as Christ said to St. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. In one sense, this is a reality that sadly we know all too well in our own day. For the dark presence of very grave sin has been manifested in some of the men entrusted with this priceless treasure of the priesthood and the Eucharist. The scandal, um, the, the deceit, uh, the evil of the priest abuse scandal, uh, it, it hangs over it hangs over us in our day. But frankly, we see, it, we see this even in the upper room at the Last Supper, where Judas left to betray Christ, to, to betray him for 30 pieces of silver. And even Peter himself had to reckon with his weakness as he heard the bitter prediction that he too would deny Christ three times. In choosing men like the 12 apostles, Christ was certainly under no illusions. It was upon this human weakness that he set the sacramental seal of his presence. God chose men, not angels, to be his priests, because it's when we are broken that we get out of the way and the light of the Christ and the light of Christ shines through. Let me give an example. I hope to see the day when Father Walter Chiswick is known as Saint Walter Chiswick. He was an American Jesuit priest who lived an extraordinary life. Born in 1904 to Polish immigrants in a tough blue-collar Pennsylvania town, he was a strong-willed, stubborn child and a tough kid. He would grow to be an even tougher man. He surprised everyone by joining seminary. His family thought he was too rough around the edges for seminary. And eventually, from the diocesan seminary, he discerned to enter the Jesuits. Yet once he was in the Jesuits, he wasn't satisfied with the typical course of studies. He wanted to go to the Rusicum, a special pontifical university in Rome dedicated to training men to serve clandestinely as priests in the Soviet Union, an atheistic state which persecuted any religion, but especially Catholicism. And sometime in 1940, he secretly crossed into Soviet territory. Disguised as a day laborer, he worked hard manual labor with the rest of the Polish migrant workers and clandestinely ministered to them as the priests they needed uh, in the free time, saying mass, giving the Eucharist, hearing confessions. 
About a year in, he was arrested and sent to Moscow's dreaded Lubyanka prison, where he spent five years in solitary confinement. Lubyanka was a prison which broke many a man, but Father Chiswick was a tough man, strong-willed, stubborn. It wouldn't break him. He dealt with isolation, physical, psychological torture. He was a tough man, but this was beyond the pale. His interrogators drugged him. They shocked him with an electrode. And finally, Father Chiswick, this tough man, broke. He cracked and signed a false confession that he was a Vatican spy. He was convicted of espionage and sentenced to 15 years hard labor in the gulag in Siberia. Yet, when the enormity of what happened dawned on him, he was deeply ashamed. He blamed himself and his weakness for not withstanding the torture and pressure. He blamed God for seemingly abandoning him. Chiswick later wrote, my will had failed. I had proved to be nowhere near the man I thought I was. I had yielded to fear, to threats, to the thought of death. I did not spare God from my reproaches. Why had he failed me at this critical juncture? Why had he not sustained my strength and nerve? Why had he not inspired me to speak out boldly? Why had he not shielded me by his grace from the fear of death? Chiswick was a broken man, just another fragile earthen vessel. He wasn't this tough, strong-willed man he had come to believe he was. Yet from the depths of his near despair, he turned to our Lord in prayer. And almost immediately, he was consoled by our Lord. He'd, come to exp- he'd gone from total blackness to experience a blinding light, a conversion experience that changed his life. From that moment on, he abandoned himself completely into, to God, entrusting himself totally to God's providential care. And because Chiswick was broken, God's light could shine through. It could shine through and transform this broken man into the saint he created him to be. And God could shine his light through Father Chiswick so that the world could see. Chiswick spent the next 15, 16 years doing incredibly hard labor in a land filled with suffering, a Siberian uh, gulag. Yet God strengthened him through it all and even enabled him to minister to the most neglected of Christ's flock in Siberia. He was able to say masks secretly, to hear confessions. Father Chiswick returned home in 1963, and since his story has inspired millions. The priceless treasure of the priesthood and thus the Eucharist, the two great sacraments we celebrate tonight, we hold these treasures in earthen vessels because it's when we are broken that we get at, uh, and we get out of the way that the light of Christ shines through Uh, us to others, that the light of Christ begins to transform us. Many might feel broken at this moment. Many might feel the anxiety and the uncertainty caused by this pandemic. Many might fear for themselves and their loved ones contracting or uh, dying from this pandemic. Many might feel the anxiety that comes with economic uncertainty caused by the coronavirus. Then there are many who feel the pain of being separated from the Eucharist. The vast majority of the faithful in this country are prevented from receiving the Eucharist. So some are even prevented from coming and praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament because of social distancing measures. Many might feel the pain of loneliness all the more acutely as we are separated from friends and loved ones. Maybe we feel our brokenness all the more, yet God has not abandoned us. It is when we are weak, when we are broken, that he does his greatest work. So let us put our trust in him this Holy Thursday, that he is at work 
Despite the suffering we are enduring, we hold this truth in earthen vessels that his light might shine in the midst of a world broken by this pandemic.